where 30 or 40 years ago you'd think in terms of returns to shareholders and the profit and the P&L, you're now thinking about, well, what is it that actually guarantees the success of this company? The Corn Report, a no-holds-barred review of what's hot and what's not in integrated reporting. The world's only integrated reporting podcast with your hosts, Neil and Simon. So here we are. It's the first episode of the Koan Report. We're going to talk about integrated reporting. We're going to put a small series together. This is Integrated Reporting 101. Before we get on with the episode, uh, I think we should mention who we are and why we even care about integrated reporting. I'm Neil and I'm joined today by my colleague Simon. Simon, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good stuff. And together we represent Koan, a specialised reporting agency based here in Amsterdam. We often get asked about the name, but we can we can save that for another episode. We've been involved in integrated reporting since the very beginning, almost 10 years ago now, uh, shaping the original framework in the pilot phases and now uh, having produced many integrated reports for a host of clients and sectors uh, across Europe. But if you want to know more about that, you can find that online. So yeah, what we're going to talk about is the basics of integrated reporting. Now, I thought it'd be good to talk about who should be listening to this. I think for me anyway, I think it's those that are ready to make a step into integrated reporting, but maybe are not there yet. They're thinking about it or those that are curious and want to understand the challenges before making the step. It's going to be for all different organizations. I think integrated reporting is something you can, can apply beyond just business and the private sector. Um, and I think, as you said, yeah. it's anyone who's got, who's got an interest in doing that, who thinks that their organization is moving in, in that sort of direction where they want to do something beyond the traditional financial reporting. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode, about what, what it actually means. And I think that's a good place to start. You probably hear about integrated reporting and, and it's talked a lot now. It's been going almost 10 years. And I think it would be good to start with what is uh, an integrated report. And I thought before we start that, and I haven't, I'm springing this upon you, Simon, but I thought I would um, would hear from Charles Tilly, who is the current CEO of the IIRC, to, to hear him describe it. Now, I took this from YouTube, but he's describing in, in his words what integrated reporting is. So I'm going to play that and then we can come back to your thoughts on that. Well, if you want to make money now and, and truly into the future, then you have to look after all of those organizations which are critical to your future success. So you have to look after your customers, you have to look after your employees. And if you are truly thinking about the long term, then it's critical that you think about society and the uh, external environment. And all of those things are there to help you basically make your company a successful company and a profitable company. If you do that well, you'll make lots of money. If you do it badly, your reputation will be hit and over time, your company will fail. It's a no-brainer. But the importance issue is that you are really thinking about long-term success. So Charles Tilly there from the IIRC. Now, I think what he's saying to me, he he says a lot of the right things. I maybe wouldn't use some of the words he uses. I mean, in some respects, I think it's true. If you want to make a lot of money, it just sounds a bit of a, a, a direct way of saying it. So yeah, what is an integrated report? Do you think that's a good way of summing it up, uh, Simon, or do you have something to add to that? I mean, I think it's difficult to disagree with that. I mean, I, I think the part that's that's missing a little bit in that explanation is actually is the beginning point. So that's very much a stakeholder view of reporting. And I think it goes, uh, the logic behind that is really that if you want to be a success, if you want to prosper over the next 20, 30, 40 years, however you define long term, then you've got to do all those things that, uh, that, that Charles was talking about. 
You've got to be a success with your customers. You've got to have a good product. You've got to have a positive effect on society and you've got to be profitable. So I don't think there's any problem with, with that. There's not in integrated reporting. It doesn't contradict the profit motive in any way, because I think if you want to survive as a company, you've also got to be profitable. You've also got to return money to shareholders. We work with a, a lot of clients uh, on this, and this is something that I find in our experience where people, they're a bit afraid sometimes to talk about the profit. And that's why I feel it's a very direct way of saying it. But the, do you, are you saying there shouldn't, there shouldn't be any shame in, in saying that? We are here to make money, but we want to do it in a, in a sustainable way. Do you think that's true? Well, I think, um, I think some of the reluctance actually comes, if you look at the history of integrated reporting, first of all, we had traditional sustainability CSR reporting. And the way companies tend to approach that was that on one side, we have the business that makes money. On the other side, we try and give a little bit back to society and um, you know we support good causes, we support charities and so on. I think that's where some of this reluctance to talk about the profit motive comes in. Integrated reporting goes, goes way beyond that. It's not just a question of trying to bring those two things together. It's saying that actually your success as a company isn't just about how you make money. It's also about how you serve your customers, the, the employment practices you have, how you manage your supply chain and, and so on. So it's a more, it's a much more complete view of what drives a company's performance. And so I think, you know, the profit motive is part of that. And, and the, the value you deliver to your, to your shareholders is an important part of that in just the same way as the value you deliver to your employees through employment and salaries and benefits and so on is, is an important part of that. It, it's actually taking a much wider view of the company. And it's not simply about taking a sustainability report and an annual report and just, you know, wedging them together and combining it and becoming one report. That's not an integrated report, right? I mean, we, we, we do see some companies out there that do that and they say we have an integrated report. And don't get me wrong, it's a great start trying to, to get that with that way in mind. But it's a lot more complex in some ways than that. Ultimately, I think it's about changing the way you think about the company. Where 30 or 40 years ago, you'd think in terms of returns to shareholders and the profit and the P&L, you're now thinking about, well, what is it that actually guarantees the success of this company? And the fact is, it's a combination. It, it's partly your P&L, it's partly what you do for investors, but it's also what you do through your products and services to, to customers. It's, it's about your employment practices, it's about all these different things. And so if you start thinking about the company in that integrated way, you start seeing uh, where there are possible trade-offs. So a company that fixates on the profit motive only tends to take decisions that are to the detriment of other stakeholders for the benefit of, of their shareholders. And, and you've seen plenty of examples of that in, you know, through the 80s and 90s and, and, and 2000s and so on. I mean, that, that is where companies have got a poor reputation and have got into trouble because that's a very short-term approach. Yeah, I often use, so sometimes I speak about this with students and I often use BP as a good example of this. Yep. Uh, you know, if you think of the Gulf of Mexico disaster 10 years ago, they were very, <laughs> arguably still are, but very focused on profits. And the Gulf of Mexico disaster was a health and safety breach, no doubts. And the impacts of that were huge on the environment, on families that lost loved ones. I think 15 people or so died. Yep. But that aside, and that's the immediate impact and will have its long-term impacts as well. But the profits, the money, the financial expense of that also to BP is $90 billion so far. Um, yep. And it's a very good example of not thinking in an integrated way and how if you were to think in an integrated way, you might not have had the same outcome. If they were yep. more focused on health and safety, it may not have happened, which re would not result in the deaths of those people and the impact on their families and the social impact, the environmental impact, and ultimately the $90 billion 
dollars so far I'm sure it's more now that has cost the company so it's uh, yep. in, in a nutshell if they also the hit on the longer term reputation of the, of the company which also has a financial and, uh, and business impact so I mean I think that's what that's what Charles was was getting at when he said it's, it's about making money. This is how you make money. He's he's exactly right. You know, if you don't sell a product that provides a service that is safe for your customers, you won't make money. If you don't have um, yeah. employment practices, HR practices that promote talent and encourage diversity, ultimately you, you you won't make money. If you have a very poor reputation because you've been involved in an environmental <laughs> disaster, you ultimately will not will not make money. And it does yeah. come down to the performance of the company and it does come down to the P&L, but it's about really understanding what influences that P&L and understanding that it's not only what you do financially that influences that P&L. You need to go back further into the chain. Okay. Another question that I thought would be good to address and we've addressed it in, in part anyway is how does this differ from other forms of reporting? So when we think of other forms of reporting, we think traditionally about sustainability reports and we think about annual reports. Uh, in the Netherlands, where, where we're based, it's called uh, Jarverslag. It's the annual report. It's the regulatory document that a company must do once per year. How does an integrated report differ from other forms of reporting? So we talk a lot about it. It's, it's giving a more integrated picture to, to various stakeholders and to investors, allowing them hopefully to make more informed decisions. But what would you say are the key differences from other forms of reporting in a, in a well put together integrated report? Well, I think, I think there, are, there are two really big differences. The first one is perspective. So one of the examples we often use, I think, is salaries and benefits. If you go to a traditional annual report and you look up salaries and benefits, you'll see that it's a cost to the company. So your HR, your employees are a line in the, in, in the profit and loss statement that is a cost to the company. Whereas actually, if you think about the role that HR plays and the employees play in the company, it's not just a loss. They're also investing an awful lot in the company, their time and their resources and their expertise. And an integrated report would look beyond that line in the P&L and say, actually, you know, employees as a whole, of course, they cost us money. Of course, they cost us in terms of salaries and benefits, but they also provide the time and the talent and so on. So that, that's what we mean by an integrated perspective. So I think an integrated report in that sense is much wider than an annual report. It tries to look at the uh, uh, these individual issues in the round. It tries to look at all aspects, negative and positive, in terms of cost to the company or value to the company. So I think it's perspective. I think it's, you're not just looking in terms of dollars and cents and, and what, what goes in or out of the door at a company. You're also looking at the overall impact you're having. And the second one, I think, is about regulation. So most annual reports are very tightly regulated. Most of the times the content is mandated by the regulator. With an integrated report, it's obviously quite a young science at the moment. So you have a you have a number of frameworks around. Yeah, I think it's worth noting at this point, it's not required. It's not a regulatory no. uh, disclosure at the moment. But there are regulations that coexist alongside it that, that, that allow you to use the integrated reporting framework as a means to meet that regulation, like the EU. Does yeah. And things. I mean, I think what you're seeing as well in a lot of countries, there are some countries where it is regulated, it is, it is uh, mandated. So obviously we tend to think of South Africa, Brazil as well. I think the public sector in parts of Scandinavia as well, it, it's, it's, it's mandated. You have to produce an, a, an integrated report. In other places, you yeah. can see this form of reporting being brought into mainstream regulatory disclosures. So uh, the EU non-financial directive does that to a certain degree. It says to companies, look, when you produce an annual report, you also have to report on how you create value on your approach to diversity on 
uh, on issues like that. So you can see that the integrated reporting movement is having an influence on the regulatory disclosures. So I think the corporate reporting is moving in that integrated direction because people recognize the limitations of traditional financial reporting. And when we say people, we mean not only the companies, but also also the regulators and also the people who consume reports, also the investors. Which is actually a good point, because I'd written down here as well, who, who is an integrated report for? And we come across mm. this time and time again. You know, we are always trying to get companies to think about the audience. Who are you writing this report for? And it varies. Um, there are sort of guidelines or an audience defined for you in an integrated reporting framework. But I think even that has changed in the recent updates to the, to the framework, which we'll discuss at another time. Mm. Uh, I thought at that point, before we discuss it, I thought it'd be good to hear from Bob Eccles. Now, Bob Eccles is a, is a professor, or I'm not sure if he's still there, but he was a professor of uh, management at Harvard Business School. Um, and he's been very involved and very topical and leading the way, I think, with a lot of integrated reporting disclosures and such. I thought it'd be good to hear from him about maybe who's an integrated report for. I think he puts it very well. So let's hear, let's hear him. Again, I took it from YouTube. I think you need to distinguish between a sustainable strategy for a company and a sustainability strategy or program. Sustainability means different things to different people. Reporting on a sustainable strategy is what integrated reporting is about. Reporting on sustainability strategies is what sustainability reporting is about. It's different audiences. Sustainability reporting is for stakeholders and civil society. Integrated reporting is for investors. I think that sums it up for me is quite clear. I mean, now that is not a very easy thing to do in practice when you're inside the company and you have many actors, you have many stakeholders involved pulling in different directions. But I think he sums it up quite well. Mm -hmm. The idea being that an integrated report gives a more integrated perspective on the company. And as an investor, I can make a more informed decision. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, um, it goes back really to how you define your audience. So for a long time, we've worked with the International Integrated Reporting Council uh, definition, which was that an integrated report ought to be primarily for financial investors. So it ought to basically explain not only the financial performance of the company, but how you get to that financial performance with all of those factors that we were talking about before and how that feeds through into in, into the into the profit and loss uh, statement. And sustainability is, is a different kettle of fish. So, I mean, I think we get caught a little bit in the vocabulary of this. So a sustainable strategy, this is a point I think that Bob is making, a sustainable strategy is how am I going to get the company through the next 10, 20, 30 years? Given all the things that are happening, given the way the operating environment is changing, how am I going to do that? How do I manage all of my assets? How do I invest in uh, in my business? How do I invest in my workforce and so on? Now that's that's sustainability in that sense. And then you have what is generally called sustainability or you know, what we used to call uh, CSR, which is really more about the social and environmental impact. Now, that should be a component part of your integrated report, but the two are not interchangeable. Yeah. It's, uh, I find that always a tough one, especially because in, on paper and on theory, this should be a very simple thing to, to get through yeah. and to decide. But when you're actually on the ground with a client or, or in a, when you're a, a report preparer within a company, it gets very muddy very quickly because you're trying to speak to many people, many different stakeholders at once. And that's where we come across a lot of challenges with companies is how yeah. to speak to that relevant group. As you, you want to speak to investors, they understand very technical language 
if you want to speak to employees, it sometimes is, is a different way of, of framing the same uh, the same the same issue. But you have to say yeah. it in a different way. And we have a lot of challenges with this uh, when helping yeah. people with report. I think if you take if you were to take Bob's approach, he would say, "Look, it's very straightforward. Your integrated report that's for investors, and that's the way you should pitch it." And that has all kinds of implication for the language you use and the, and the way you present information and so on. Um, but that's for your investors. And the sustainability, however you communicate, that is for your other stakeholders. That's for your employees and your customers and your uh, and NGOs and civil society and so on. The practical issue is, is really twofold. One is that very few companies make that distinction. Or if they do, they certainly don't make it very clearly. The second, the second thing is, can you get investor communication to move with you? So you're actually asking investors and the people who communicate with investors, so generally the investor relations department, to make quite a radical shift. So up to now, all their communication has been in that traditional area. It's all been about EPS and dividends and your net profit and, and um, your capital position if you're in the finance sector and so on. You've got to try and change that. You've got to try and explain to them how it is that, for example, the level of employee engagement is going to drive that financial performance or the level of customer loyalty is going to drive your financial performance. And the problem is twofold. One is, is language. We're so, we're so wedded to the previous language, not surprisingly, that it's quite difficult to break the habit of that. And the second one is you've got to, to be able to make that communication. You've got to understand the connections within the company. You've got to understand how employee engagement, not just anecdotally, but with real numbers, you've got to understand how that drives earnings and profit and revenue and so on. And actually, there's a lot of work to be done technically on that because I think relatively few companies understand that connection. They might understand it anecdotally. So if my employees are more engaged, they make better salespeople, you know, they're more productive, therefore it must have some impact on my on my top line. But I don't really understand the mechanism. And as long as they don't understand the mechanism, it makes that communication to the financial markets all the more difficult. Yeah. Do, do you think it's moving in the right direction? In my experience, we're getting there, but I'd like to see it a lot quicker. Yeah. We're still having the same discussion with the IR departments that we had 10 years ago and five yeah. years ago are still ha- happening. I mean, I think, um, I, th- I, think, I think that's true. I mean, we, we do still have, the, have those same discussions, but actually I do think it's moving in the right direction because more and more investors are talking this language. So more and more of them are taking social and environmental factors into account when they invest. Um, and yeah, it's coming from a very is a really good example. Sorry, I, th- I think BlackRock. So La- La- Larry yes. Fink, his his CEO letter, you know, that is one of the biggest, uh, if not the biggest, asset manager in the world, is now is writing every year to CEOs of their investments of of their mm. holdings and and saying, you know, this is what's important for us. This and ESG is coming up time and time again. So I think there's yep. definitely a movement, but yeah, I just wish I just think it should be faster. But then, well, I think it I think it has to be faster. I mean, because the thing really driving this is climate change. So I think there's a general recognition now that climate change is something that will have to be dealt with and if you're going to deal deal with it properly you think it's only climate change you don't think that there's other factors like you know covid is a great ex- example until the beginning of the of the covid-19 crisis i think it was the big driver yeah. Um, I think there are a couple of other drivers now. One is since the COVID-19 pandemic, people are, are much more aware of social inequalities and social issues. So I think they will gain in importance. And the other thing I think is is, is regulation. So, I mean, the EU taxonomy will drive a lot of investment. Interestingly, that a lot of the recovery of uh, the economies related to COVID is going to be tied to green initiatives as well. So there's clearly a lot yeah. here with climate change, but... Uh... 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's I think it's a realization that um, you know if we're going that it is a real issue, and if we're going to tackle it, we need to mobilize a lot of money, and that money can't yeah. come from governments only; it has to come from the private sector. And to do that, you need to have the likes of uh, the likes of BlackRock helping to mobilize that uh, that money. Also, the sustainable development goals are a good example of that because you had yeah. the was it the Millennium Development Goals prior to that, and they were very mm-hmm. focused on not on private businesses and then the sustainable development goals was a real step change there was really focusing on private industry to help achieve Mm -hmm. these objectives so i think that's also a good example of how they're looking to private companies to affect it we're not going to go to go too much into detail for this episode but we do have one remaining uh, point that i thought it'd be good and you you talked a little bit about it earlier of changing the mindset of departments and you used investor relations as an example so who produces an integrated report? If, if, you, if you're a company and you're thinking about integrated reporting, who are you looking to in that company to start this? Is it investor relations? Should it be investor relations? Or should we be looking at, you know, sustainability departments, which in my experience is where a lot of this, uh, shall we say, reporting innovation or reporting change tends to come from, but they don't often have the enough uh, weight behind them to, to influence that change. What's your thoughts on that? It's got to be across the whole company, of course, because otherwise it's not an integrated report. But where is it actually being driven from? I mean, I think investor relations, it, it would be good if more companies, if their reports were driven by investor relations. I mean, relatively few are at the moment. I find, I think, you know, in the work that we've done, we find generally that most of the impetus comes from sustainability, as you said, or, or, or maybe communications. It would be good if more of that impetus came from investor relations, because ultimately, if you're going to produce an integrated report uh, that is primarily for investors in inverted commas, then it's your investor relations department's going to know how to communicate. So it would be good, I think, if if investor relations were more involved. But actually, it depends, I think, on the individual company and often on individuals within those companies. You know, who's got the enthusiasm and the energy and the time to, to drive this? Who really sees who really sees the issue? And that could be someone in finance because they're often heavily involved in in traditional annual reporting could be communications it could it could even be it could even be legal uh, or ir but and ultimately to make the changes that you you need to make internally to produce a good integrated report you need the involvement of all of these departments yeah. And and you also need to be able to have a seat at the right table to push this internally as well, because you know yeah. you need to have a, a an influence, and that, that can be a challenge with a with a lot of these companies. It's it's one thing having the passion and the drive to, to change it, but it's another mm. thing being able to influence that up the hierarchy or down the hierarchy, depending where yep. you're coming from. It's about getting the board to see, because I mean we we often talk about the integrated report, but the integrated report is really is really the end product of a process, and what's really important is the process. It's the process of reporting, but it's also the way it changes your approach to decision making. So if suddenly you change from a system which says, well, the more money we make, the better, and that's how we make decisions, into one that says, well, let's have a look at the impact of these decisions, not only on how much money we make, but also on our customers and employees, that is a much more integrated approach. This is what I think a lot of people in the business call integrated thinking which is really the ultimate goal. I mean, producing a report is a fantastic thing to do and it's great fun and everything, but actually the more strategic part, the part that really brings benefit to the company is getting the company to start thinking a bit differently, a bit more, uh, yeah, a bit differently about how you make decisions and about how you involve all of your stakeholders in those decisions and how you look at your overall impact. So to go back to the BP example, not just the, the profit, 
profitability of your operations in the, in the Gulf of Mexico, but also, you know, the impact on local communities and the impact on the environment. And, and you make yourself a better company by doing so. Arguably, having not done that, they're paying the, the ultimate price, which is, you know, loss of life, massive, massive environmental damage and huge financial loss. So it's, uh, I always use it as a really good case. But anyway, on that, we're going to leave it here. We would deliberately kept this short and tried to keep it high level. And we're going to come back in the next episode and where we'll talk about the basic principles behind integrated reporting. There is a framework and we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the goals and objectives of, of an integrated report and also who needs to be involved to produce an integrated report, the practical ideas of that. And also another podcast coming up, we're going to look at some integrated reports, perhaps belonging to a, to a sector. We're, we're thinking aviation or something. So we're going to look at some best practice reports and sort of deconstruct them and give our opinion on that and try and speak to those behind the reports. So we've got that coming up as well. So on that, we'll say bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you love the Cohen Report, hit subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you can find notes and materials discussed on the show at thecohenreport.com or follow us on Instagram at The Cohen Report. The Cohen Report. How will you report next year?